Hello, it's your host, Kat Walsh, and you're listening to another episode of Trip On This. This podcast is for mature audiences and is not suitable for young children. Trip On This is intended for entertainment purposes only, and we do not condone the use of illegal substances. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Trip On This, when the psychonaut meets the scientist. That is what this episode is all about. It was such a pleasure speaking with my next guest, Melissa Dawn. Melissa is a psychedelic scientist. She's a mycologist, a mental health advocate, and you guessed it, a true believer and lover in the power of psychedelics. It was psychedelics and her own healing journey that really called her into this space. She experienced such deep healing that she talks about on this episode and knew that psychedelics are the future. And it just so happens that she had the skill set to help the needs and help push this psychedelic movement forward. Not only did Melissa do everything from lab work to intense foraging in nature, looking for wild mushrooms, she also was the first person to set up a lab in Jamaica for psilocybin producing mushrooms. On this episode, we really begin by focusing on her journey and wow, is it a journey. At times it gets a little heavy, but it is so poignant and beautiful about where it goes. Truly, when I listened to her story, I got choked up and it actually instilled in me once again why I am doing this podcast, why I'm help spreading the, the word about psychedelics and why they are so important to me because listening to a story like Melissa's is so truly impactful. We also, of course, talk about things like harm reduction and what to look out for at home, the kits you can get and why it's important, not just, of course, to our health and safety, but also to the movement. We talk about what her vision is for the future and touch on other different little scientific things, her anecdotes about what she thinks about microdosing and macrodosing. Hint, she's actually a proponent for macrodosing and not so much on microdosing and talks about why. So I think this episode was so fun. It's, it's layered. It's emotional at times. It's informative. I really hope you enjoy it. A few things before we get into the episode, though. I first want to shout out my friends over at Lord Basil. Lord Basil is a premium psychedelic clothing and jewelry brand right here in Los Angeles. Y'all may have heard the episode with Zach and Sandra Walker called, ooh, what was it? Awakening Psychedelics and Aliens, Oh My. If that episode doesn't sound interesting, I don't know what does. Anyway, that episode, they came on and we're talking about this particular clothing launch, this drop, and it is finally here. Few things about Lord Basil, they are committed to sustainability. All of the fabrics, everything was made 100% right here in Los Angeles. Not only is Lord Basil committed to sustainability and locally sourced and locally made product, they are also committed to psychedelic research. That is why they are giving 5% of every single purchase to the Psychedelic Institute maps. If you are interested in getting a oversized sweatpants, sweatsuit look, definitely check out my friends over at lordbasil.com and see the gear for this winter season. Final announcement, of course, if you are not following me on socials, please do so. 
at trip on this underscore pod. Again, that's at trip on this underscore pod for Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok and backslash trip on this pod for Facebook. Of course, if you are enjoying the show and you want to support your girl, please rate it, subscribe, leave a comment, do all the things. It is so helpful for me to grow this podcast and get the word out. And with that, please enjoy this next episode with Melissa Dawn. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Trip on This. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kat. Of course, you are an incredibly accomplished scientist and you're also a psychonaut, someone who is a lover and a true believer in the power of psychedelics. This is gonna be such a cool conversation for myself and hopefully for people to hear. Why don't we start with, why don't we start with your journey personally with psychedelics? If that came first, when did, when did your journey with psychedelics begin? Take us back. Why, what called you into it? Well, that's interesting. Um, a lot of people like to ask me about what my first psychedelic experience was like, and if that is what got me into this journey. And that's where the big story starts for me. And so I'll go into that a little bit. Please. So, yeah, I, to be honest, I am envious of a lot of people's beginning stories of how they got into this space, how they started their healing journey with psychedelics, because a lot of people, you know, they've, they spent a lot of time researching and their first experience was deeply intentional and yeah, they had a goal in mind and they know what they're getting themselves into to an extent, mm -hmm. you know, as much as we can. And I can tell you that that was so far from what my experience was like, because my first psychedelic experience was when I was still a child. And here's when it gets heavy to begin with. Um, so as a lot of people who know me, I was raised in a traumatic situation. And so I went through a lot of like really icky moments and that holds true for my first psychedelic experience as well. My first psychedelic experience I had when I didn't even know what a psychedelic was. I really had no concept of what it meant, any really substance, I, I didn't understand. My first experience, I, I had no clue. I think I was maliciously dosed with a psychedelic and wow. I didn't know. And wow. so I was just a child. How old I were went you? into this experience. I was in middle school. <gasps> yeah. Middle so, school? Yeah. Girl, like 14 or yeah, 15? So, Not even. Yeah. So total baby still wow. not knowing what I was getting into, not knowing that I'd consumed anything. And so let's talk about set and setting, you know, how important it is really not knowing had took away my ability to have that mindset going into it and didn't have the language to even know what was going on. And so looking back on things, I'm pretty certain that what I was dosed with was LSD. And so it was a rather long experience and every single moment was terrifying as LSD can be at times. Yeah. But when you don't know what you're getting yourself into, oh my gosh. And you're so, and so young. Was, God, what, what yes. is a young mind? How do you even make sense of that experience at yeah. that age? Wow. You so don't. You, you really don't. don't. Yeah, that's, that's you, fair. You don't. And so, you know, I thought I'd lost my mind 
I thought that there was something that just broke. And I thought that that was what my reality was going to look like for the rest of my life. I didn't think that, you know, it was going to change. um, And I was going to go back to my normal uh, operating system, if you will. And it was terrifying because I didn't know the words to use to even reach out for help. And so I remember wandering outside and just, you know, in terror. And thankfully, I was able to make it through that experience. And so, uh, yeah, back then we didn't have, I wasn't really um, knowledgeable about the internet or any literature. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to go about asking questions, but I was doing some research and I, yeah, looking back, I was able to figure out that I was, yeah, maliciously dosed with the psychedelic and um, being raised in trauma, you know, there was a lot of things that I ended up doing to myself to be able to soothe a lot of the pains that I was experiencing. And so there's a little bit of irony in it because that traumatic situation, I ended up going back into it willingly through the next, you know, so many years of my life. And so, yeah, there was a lot of escapism with these molecules that I was playing around with. So yeah, I continued to dose myself with whatever I could get my hands on Mm -hmm. psychedelics or, you know, other psychoactive molecules and Mm -hmm. different drugs just to numb myself from my reality, Mm -hmm. really trying to dissociate and escape into another realm that I was able to begin to navigate. And so after a while, my relationships with psychedelics started to become a little deeper. And yeah, that's sort of where I would just hide out away from a lot of my issues for many years. Wow. First of all, I'm so sorry that anyone would do that to you and such a young mind. And that could be psychedelics, even if you know what you're taking can be a very traumatic experience for people. If, if, you know, depending on what comes up, it's the truth is that could, it could be very difficult mm-hmm. at times to not even know that you were dosed, let alone at that age. I am so sorry. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting to me though, is the, okay, talk to me about the moment. Okay. This experience happens. What was the second time? Like when you were like, I'm going to try this now, where was your mind at that point where you're like, okay, could you understand almost the power that you were in if you understood that it was being a choice? What led you to to, to, to the second time? <laughs> you know, I, to be honest, it wasn't this beautiful moment where I was trying to go into an intentional journey. I don't even think my mind was able to comprehend that because yeah, just dealing with all the trauma that I experienced as a child I mean, to be honest, I I wasn't even keen on living. I was, you know, dealing with a lot of suicidal ideation. And so when I was thinking about ingesting different substances, I sort of was just hoping that I wouldn't come back out of it. Mm -hmm. And that would be the end for me. Um, But rest assured, the journey does become a little bit more or a lot more beautiful. (laughs) I I know it does. lot of evolution. So you yeah, wanted, so the, I spent a, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. let's, let's talk about it because I think, first of all, I've never, what a beautiful story of, of, um, talk about a journey with an, an uh, as a journey, a journey within, because you are dealing with one 
one thing was a trauma, then then it led to an escapism, yeah. then it led to now what you would consider, because I know we've spoken a little bit, your biggest healing. So where where did yeah. the shifts come? Yeah. So the shift started to occur when I went to university. And as many people know, I, I studied biology and philosophy. And the philosophy coursework is really what I believe switched the gears for me. And so, yeah, when I was studying the uh, yeah, philosophy, I would spend a lot of time in the library. And when I would go up to, you know, one of the top floors of our library, I would be looking around at different philosophical works. And um, near the philo- uh, philosophy books, there were a lot of books on mindfulness and Buddhism and spirituality. And that's really where things started to change for me. I really went off the deep end and became so fascinated. And so, yeah, in university, I I just went really deep into those studies and it clicked that I was able to pair my love of taking different substances and like heightening my meditation practices Mm. and different spirituality practices. And really, I felt like I cured my depression. I was in this bliss state so often. I remember being just walking from class to class and feeling like my feet weren't even hitting the ground, that I was just floating around and felt like I found my true calling. And there was just, it's just so powerful what I started to experience with psychedelics. And I felt like I I needed to tell the world as many people that (laughs) dive into psychedelics, I feel like they've received a message and they need to tell everyone because Everyone deserves to experience that. And so, yeah, I I was going to university in Ohio and there was still so much stigma, um, Mm -hmm. still is, you know, obviously around different substance use and psychedelics. And so, of course, I didn't disclose that I was using psychedelics, but I was going around to my groups of friends and speaking with professors and really talking about these truths and these lessons that I was experiencing from uh, these molecules. And yeah, it was very interesting because one thing led to the next and I had someone, uh, part of the faculty that said, you know, it's very interesting, the things that you're talking about, but perhaps you should go see the school school psychologist. Oh, wow. And oh, no. And so I did the very thing that I was instructed to do. And because uh, I had a, held the professor to high regard. And so I went and I started to speak to the university psychologist about different things that I was experiencing, still withholding the information about using psychedelics. And Mm -hmm. it was so unfortunate because I was, I ended up being diagnosed with a a slew of different mental health issues. And that was terrifying to me. I was feeling that I was experiencing mania. I thought that 
I was walking on the edge of where I was just going to lose my mind and there was no returning. And how would I be able to participate in society? And that, that was a wake up call for me. And so I decided, you know, let's halt this. Let's not go on these journeys anymore. And so, yeah, for many years, I did not touch any uh, like drug substance mm-hmm. because I, I I was too afraid that, yeah, I was just going to be pushed over the edge. Wow. And it was really hard for me because when I was, you know, experiencing these bliss states and I was receiving these messages from the psychedelics about, you know, just being in tune with the love source and embodying the love source and just this higher calling. I, I, like I said, I honestly felt that my depression was cured. I wasn't experiencing a lot of symptoms that I was dealing with because of my traumatic upbringing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt like, yeah, I I felt like I was myself, but once I walked away from psychedelics, it all came back. And I was, I was so depressed all the time. My (sighs) suicidal ideation was at an extreme high and yeah, I then dove back into different means of escapism, which was my career. And so I started just working endless, you know, hours, it seemed, uh, just every day what I could do to escape, you know, like my depressive thoughts. Um, yeah. How many hours could I spend at the laboratory to avoid my symptoms? Wow. There's so much that I want to comment on. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing that story. You know, I think just come back to this last piece. I think in many ways you were very ahead of your time with people talking about spirituality and, you know, the concepts that come from a psychedelic experience without mentioning the psychedelic, which is that feeling of oneness and the the love source and all of this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's like all in, it all reminds me of timing because if you were doing that now, in today's yeah. climate, it would have been a completely different yeah. uh, experience. And that's, it's so unfortunate because as somebody who also has an incredibly spiritual channel and I'm connecting to a divine source, people would be like, you're out of your mind, girl. I'd be like, I mean, you can think that. Uh, you can think whatever you want. Like, I think I'm pretty here. And, and mm-hmm. I know what is creating peace in my life and joy and happiness mm-hmm. and love. Like, Okay, well, I don't want to subscribe to the world that is mm-hmm. quote unquote more normal, if that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you also illustrate a really beautiful point, though, for people around psychedelics and the types of use, because it's not, again, I mean, your story illustrates it better than anyone is it's not the psychedelic that is uh, the cure all, because you've had psychedelic experiences without intention. And the intention was, mm-hmm. I want to. Uh, cover up my feelings. I want to disassociate Mm -hmm. from this world. And therefore it helped become that for you. Like I always like to say, you know, it is what they say, like a non-specific amplifier, right? So if your intention is I want out of this place, well, then it gave you that. And when you wanted to go, wait, actually, maybe I don't want out. I want in literally inside Mm -hmm. myself. Uh, Then it showed you the beauty of everything that's inside of you. And I'm just, again, I'm so that in and of itself is a trauma 
to say, hi, let me share my love, the beauty, what I'm discovering, and then go, sorry, um, you're diagnosed with X, Y, and Z now. Who? Mm-hmm. You know they've been doing that to people forever too. You know that, yeah. that this is this is probably, and I and I really believe in reincarnation. In your you have probably experienced other lifetimes where you've been called crazy or whatever for being tapped into something that just most of the world's not. It's just unfamiliar mm-hmm. at this point, but I think we're all mm-hmm. catching up. It's the beauty of this whole psychedelic revolution that's happening and not just psychedelics through breathwork and meditation and us normalizing the fact that you can connect and talk to your higher self and that look, it's, it's actually where the healing stems mm-hmm. is what we're finding out. You know, and I think mm-hmm. I'm going to just jump around on my questions because like while we're in this, I was going to say, what what was, you know, you're a psychedelic scientist, so you know what's happening in the brain, physically what's mm-hmm. happening in the brain. Knowing what you know and Melissa, the person who's had the experience, what is the root of the healing for you? As the, oh, Actually, well. I would love for you to answer that as the scientist and answer it as the person who's had the experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. As a scientist in layman's terms, we are really making some of our neuropathways malleable and we're able to reset some of our mental patterns, these trodden trails of the mind. It's beautiful to see the ability to shape the way we are seeing our worlds and ourselves just by you know making these neural pathways more malleable mm-hmm. and so really that's what it comes down to is seeing the world from a different perspective and seeing ourselves from a different perspective and so you know like i say and many other people say imagine if you know a little girl were to t- be told in their formative years every day that they are worthless they're stupid they're you know, all these terrible things, of course, that's how they're going to see themselves. And they're going to see the world as a deeply scary place. And they are going to build up this internal bulldog or this, you know, default mode network Mm -hmm. is going to set up these protections to make sure these negative events don't occur again. But unfortunately, that guard dog can keep us away from such beauty, from seeing life in its true capacity. And yeah, for me, I've experienced that, you know, as well. And so I just going on a little bit of tangent, you know, we talked about some of my earlier psychedelic experiences, but that's where I like to talk about one of my most pivotal psychedelic experiences that I've had in my life that has really allowed me to tap into such healing. And, you know, it starts off a little dark and bear with me, but I, uh, after, yeah, after going through so, uh, such a deep, uh, workaholic, work addict type of mode of existence, it led me through to a point where I decided that's not how I wanted to, not the life that I wanted. I felt like I honestly was cursed, you know, all the day working endlessly in lab and coming home and hating myself and hating my reality 
and wanting to get away from it. And I, I didn't see psychedelics as the answer yet. I really didn't. I instead was going down a darker route where in, I think it was 2018 or 19, I think 18, 2018, I, I was so deeply depressed. I remember living in a little studio apartment, barely getting by. And I decided enough is enough. And I took and I boxed up all of my belongings and I started to write letters to the people that I loved because I was ready to be just done with this. Wow. I started to make solid plans on ending this just terrible existence. Mm. And, you know, I can I can thank my friend also for sort of saving my life because she reached out and she said, hey, I'm going to Panama. Would you like to come with me? And I'm looking around my apartment and everything is boxed up. I have these letters to my family and my friends. And I thought, you know, who cares? Let me just, you know, tell my job that I'm not going to be coming in for a while and I'm going to Panama. And I thought it was the last hurrah before the end for me. Wow. And so, yeah, I ended up traveling out to the San Blas uh, Island Network. I believe it's a network of about 300 small little islands. And we took a boat out to one little private island, probably about four acres in size. And, you know, I was trying to enjoy the time with my friend, but I, I knew that this was my last experience with her. And yeah, I, I was just, it was unbelievable. I, I was so depressed. I ended up spending a lot of time in this little hut, you know, there's no electricity. It was completely dark most of the time. And I would just sit in this hut in tears, knowing that when I got back to Los Angeles, that that was the end. And after a while, you know, it's not fun spending so much time with a depressed person. And so she she ended up going off with the locals and ex enjoying the vacation. And I was just sitting in this hut, just crying and preparing myself for what was to come. And yeah, uh, something shifted in me. And I decided, you know, if I'm going to be sitting here in agony, might as well escape a little bit from what I'm experiencing. And so I pulled out the trick that I used before, which was, you know, a few tabs of LSD mm -hmm. uh, from my, yeah, my purse. And I, I dove in. And I, I still like vividly remember this experience because, yeah, I started to experience the come up and I was experiencing the typical vis visualizations and everything. But yeah, I felt so drawn to walk out of this hut. And as I was walking out, I was drawn to go to the edge of the island on the beach. And I walked out and it was just so beautiful. There were these, you know, a few different tourists out on the beach and they were all speaking different languages and had a few people that I saw that were pointing to the water. And I looked and it was, it was amazing. There was just the bioluminescent algae was just lapping with the waves onto the beach. 
And here I was fully clothed and I just slowly walked straight into the water. And I remember the water being so warm from the day's sun. And then I was just in awe of all the feelings that I was feeling. And out of nowhere, it starts to rain, just this cold rain washing down on my body. And my I was submerged in the warm water of the ocean. And I, I really, that was one of my first moments where I was truly, deeply able to connect with the love source. And it, she was washing down all over me. And I received the message that it was such a healing modality. And that although I still wasn't at the point of my healing journey where I could say that I loved myself or that I had, you know, I deserved healing and I deserved love and I deserved happiness. I knew that I had a skill set as a scientist and I had, you know, a lot of knowledge around psychedelics that I was going to dedicate my life to spreading the message. And so I made it through that experience and was able to fly back to Los Angeles. And first things first, I unpacked all of the boxes and I shredded the suicide notes to my loved ones and I got to work. And this was work that I, you know, never dreamt that I would have the capacity to do. It was not only work as in the studying and figuring out how to bring myself into a position where I would be able to speak more about psychedelics, but taking care of the vessel as well. I started to really focus on my nutrition. I was working out every day. I was going to yoga classes, meditation classes, and I was on a mission. And to this day, I can tell you that I, I have not stopped. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I was like tearing up during your story. That was yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> wow. You know, a friend of mine had just asked, she said, I really, I, I didn't know the extent of your story. And she was just asking, mm-hmm. she's like, I would love to hear about just real, like extreme healing where it's like, and I was, and just listening to you, that is as poignant and as, that is as on the edge as you get. And to just hear that, like, that is why I have a podcast is so that people like you can tell that story and other people can hear it so that they know that there is hope. There's hope. And I'm not saying it's a catch all, but there's hope that there is something out there that can go beyond Mm -hmm. the pain when the pain gets that deep. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Kat. Like, I appreciate your podcast so much. You know, we could be spending a lot of time talking about the scientific side of things. You definitely asked me some questions and I diverted and went into my own story because, yeah, there's a lot of people out there talking about the science, but it's those ineffable experiences that can give people hope that I'm I'm here to live for. I want people to hear these stories. And it's, you know, a lot of times really uncomfortable to share these stories that I have because it's reliving 
like a past life of mm-hmm. mine because I'm not living that anymore. Yeah. Like I am all in on this journey. And I just think about, yeah, if I can tell my story to more people and for them to see that there is hope. No, I do not think that psychedelics are this cure-all panacea. I don't think if you just consume some of these beautiful molecules that you're not going to experience symptoms anymore because you definitely do. It's just a matter of being able to touch into that, you know, experience with this divine love and you're able to see yourself as a entity of love and learn more about how to live in such a loving way. And yeah, if people can hear my story and what I went through and it helps them to wake up another day and fight their demons. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, please keep (laughs) continuing to share your story and also doing the work that you're doing. Let's now segue into, so you you are actually a psychedelic scientist. You are helping, you're at the forefront of getting this out to people in many ways, right? Through your story, Mm -hmm. through actually physically Mm -hmm. doing the work. If, okay, let me think about how I want to phrase this. Thinking about the psychedelic movement now. Sure. If- there was no mandate, no assignment from another person or a company, all of where would you, Melissa, put your time, attention, Mm -hmm. and resources into right now? I know there's a lot Mm -hmm. going on in the psychedelic movement. (laughs) What's lighting you up? If you're like, I'm in charge, this is what I want to move forward. What would it be? You know, I've been thinking about that question a lot because I've, I've operated in a operated in a lot of different roles thus far. As you know, I built a psychedelic laboratory in Jamaica researching psilocybin-producing fungi. I have developed a a ketamine-assisted psychotherapy clinic. I've worked on drug development where we we are Uh, developing new psychedelic molecules to go through uh, drug development for clinical trials. I've done a lot of different things, working out in the field, discovering new fungi that might have some medicinal efficacy. And, you know, I ask myself, what is the dream? Like, what can I do with my skill set that can make the largest impact and you know, to be honest, I'm not completely sure yet, but I can tell you that a dream of mine is to create a laboratory that is truly a safe space for women to come learn about science and psychedelic science, because, you know, there is such sexism that occurs in STEM. And, you know, that does not mean that it's not occurring in the psychedelic space either, because it's, it's there, it's loud. The patriarchy is real. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) it is. And, you know, I know that I'm pretty sick of men telling me what I'm allowed to study, when I'm allowed to speak, how I should speak. I'm sick of people taking credit for my work and I'm I also am aware that I am highly privileged. I am a white woman and I have a you know a pretty some pretty stacked credentials that have allowed me to be in the position that I am in right now. And 
that just is not the case for so many women. Mm -hmm. And so I do dream of creating a laboratory and I'm taking real steps to developing it where I want a space. People can come in and play, you know, play with their scientific curiosities, be empowered, not be stifled by, you know, some of these powerhouse men that are dominating the space. And just to give them that foot up and yeah. Damn, that sounds amazing. I hope that somehow some investor hears that and was like, that's exactly what I want to do. And just invest in your plan. Please continue to take steps to do that. I love what you're saying, even about inclusion and making sure that like Mm -hmm. opportunities for women of all backgrounds and just to come and learn and yeah, to, to, to push women and psychedelics. First of all, psychedelics are so feminine feminine exactly. energy. It should have a feminine touch. Look, we're not, not ditching, mm-hmm. not dissing the guys, like by all means no. saying it, but we're talking about balance here, right? We're talking about, yeah. uh, a, uh, an equal place at the table, which I'm sure we've been talking about for a long time. And yeah, mm-hmm. of course in science it's not. And I love the fact that you are going in that direction and mm-hmm. to create a place where you can play and discover because there is nothing rigid about psychedelics. They are the first type of molecules that we're studying where it's like, okay, well, I know we're setting up double blinds, but like niacin versus psilocybin mushroom (laughs) could be a very different type of experience. Like, let's be honest. Like it's outside of the realm of what I'm sure most scientists uh, speaking as not a scientist are used to like we're, we're in new territory here. And I think new territory calls for new types of thinking, new types of thinkers, And like you're saying, like, of course you want to still have those like top science standards, but Mm -hmm. also like, also maybe start creating new standards for something that is Mm -hmm. un, uh, uncharted, right? We're in uncharted territory. We're talking about consciousness and we don't know a whole lot about it. And now we're talking about molecules that have a massive impact on consciousness. Mm -hmm. That is throwing a whole other wrench on the consciousness Mm -hmm. conversation. So how amazing my question, because I, I, it's kind of in this space, and then we'll get into our final question is we'll get into harm reduction, which I do want to talk to you about, because I know this is a mm-hmm. big thing to talk about. But before we get there, um, science and spirituality, to me, these mm-hmm. things are not separate. Mm-hmm. How do you approach this question as someone who is, of course, a, a researcher, hard science? And also has your foot in a world where you've experienced things that are beyond what science can explain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really tricky one. And I'm working on trying to figure that out for myself because I, you know, I still am really a a baby spiritualist. Um, But I can, you know, I want to give props to the scientists that are coming forward and they're starting to speak about their spirituality because that really started to create some shifts for me. Um, Yeah, in 2019, I I attended Horizons uh, Perspectives on Psychedelics in New York City. And that was just such a shift for me because we had some of these Uh, powerhouse scientists from all over the world, really the experts on psychedelic scientists that were taking the stage. And 
I was just blown away. The level of the work that they were presenting and that they have accomplished, I was flabbergasted, to be honest. And uh, yeah, bow to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of the scientists, they were so brave because they got on stage and after explaining all of their hard science, they, they admitted that there was this gap where they weren't able to use science to explain where this healing was coming. And they started to speak on some of their spirituality and some of where faith just comes in with healing and letting go of some of these uh, concepts that are pretty rigid, rigid in our minds. And so that's where yeah, it gave me the confidence to be able to start to explore my spirituality more. And, you know, it's tricky because I spend a lot of time with some of the, you know, top scientists. And when I start talking a little bit woo-woo with them, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they start to pull me back in with some critical thinking and logic and hard science. And trust me, it is hard to navigate because, yeah. There's a lot of great evidence and yeah, scientific facts that do make sense. It explains a lot, but I can tell you that my spirituality is why I'm here today. And to take that away from people is something that I'm not willing to do, especially for myself, you know, because my spiritual practices are what get me through. And so, you know, I, I'm still trying to navigate it. Yeah. It's really hard to bring up some of these conversations in the scientific community. Yeah. Um, but I think it just, it's so important for scientists to come forward and start to talk about their different yeah. experiences, because it's really going to ha- help us shift how society is operating and yeah, the journey is not over. The journey is most definitely not over the journey. I I had this, I was meditating. I'm probably going to butcher this right now, but I had this thought just come into my mind because I'm always trying to practice presence and oh my God, it was something like every moment of presence is the journey or something. I I'm like, I'm butchering my own quote that like came to me. I like wrote it down. I was like, Ooh, that's good. Um, but basically, yeah, like the, every moment is, is the journey. And I think what I love hearing about that. And of course there's no definitive answer. I asked you a very tough question there. That's a, that's not a easy one to answer, but what I think is really interesting about it is I love the fact that there's both, you know, like let mm-hmm. again, always for me, life is about balance. There's always mm-hmm. going to be hard science, logic rules. I have no space for woo-woo. Okay, great. We got that squad. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And the balance comes from scientists like yourself that are like, look, I'm not going to, all the data and the research is what it is. I'm going to, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to look at it as um, objectively as I can. And mm-hmm. I cannot discount uh, yeah. an experience that I've personally had that, um, that I'm, that, that is truly healing me in my life and that there mm-hmm. is a voice for both because ultimately I mm-hmm. think those two voices together are going to help move us. I think it's great exactly. that there's both, you know, and, and, um, you know, getting woo woo again, we're, we're in duality, right? We're in a world mm-hmm. of duality, polar opposites is what moves us. And so this is how the growth keeps happening is, mm-hmm. is the, 
you know, there's as much hard science as you get. And then there's the gap, like you mm-hmm. said, and you're like, hmm, yeah. can't explain that. It's all about that gap. It's so I, just, it's, I truly do not believe spirituality and science are mutually exclusive. Not at all. Not at I all. If not. anything, I just think like science is just explaining the majesty of this fucking world. Like the mm-hmm. creation, whatever the divine source that is just inexplicable and yet so present and, and more and more people having their own experience of something that just is like, I, I don't know what that is, but I, I don't, I can't discount it. That's important right there is like, okay, I don't know is a great answer, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's just wonderful. And I mean, for me, like, that's like my, my spiritual life is like what lights me up again. Psychedelics are only, are only, uh, um, a, a larger window and, and, and it's almost mm-hmm. like it, it easily, it easily connects me to my spiritual life. That's why it's important to have a spiritual exactly. practice. If you're interested in that, to keep the muscle going, because it really, mm-hmm. it's almost like a cheat sheet in a way, like it opens up the spiritual, your mm-hmm. connection to that source very easily. And then it and then you need to foster the relationship without the molecule. That's where the, mm-hmm. that's where the daily stuff. That's helps. where the work yeah, that's, that's where the work, work starts. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it was the trips are fine. They're I, the starting place. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was hard for me when I was, you know, just strictly seeing things from a scientific perspective. And then I was, you know, going and playing in hyperspace with these psychedelic molecules. And I was, you know, repeatedly put, you know, in this, you know, uh, you know, having conversations basically with the source. Mm -hmm. And then I would come out of it. And because of my scientific background and because of a lot of religious trauma that I experienced when I was younger, I was just like, you know, no, 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 we're not going there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as a scientist where, you know, I'm always looking for data points to explain different trends and how many data points did I need you know, that there was this divine entity that I was communing with yeah. before I was willing to accept it. I couldn't, I, I couldn't be in denial anymore. Yeah. But that's cool. Like you, you saw your, your science brain was like, mm, I can't take the leap yet. Can't take the leap. And it's finally like, how mm-hmm. do I need to be standing here right in front of you? Like to, <laughs> hello. Exactly. Um, all right. So let's segue now to harm reduction. Sounds good because I know this is an important topic. I know it's an important topic that you personally have done your own research and talk about quite a bit. Uh, first off, for those that are not familiar with the term harm reduction, can you talk to us? What is that? Especially as it relates to psychedelics. Definitely. Um, a lot. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. We're trying to reduce the harm that is impacting the user in the communities that are using these substances. And so there's many different pillars to harm reduction. And I always like to talk about the the most important one first is like drug law reform. Come on. The most harmful thing when it comes to drug use is the, the scheduling of a lot of these molecules. That's needs to be on our, you know, our highest priority list first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. Highest priority is to change the legislation around substances 
because if we're not allowed to have safe access to molecules that have been tested and we have you know education about how to use these molecules when people are hiding they're hiding their use that is when the most negative events are going to occur we know that we know that a lot of the different psychedelic drugs that people are buying off the street are adulterated or they're misidentified and that is you know, truly devastating. If you think that you're trying, you know, you're experiencing one molecule and really it's something else because we know that dosage is important. And so some people are having overdosing issues and yeah, they just don't have a space to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. And so first and foremost, poly policy reform is the biggest harm reduction tactic that we need to be focused on. And of course, education around how to use these molecules safely. Uh, so thankfully, a lot of people are coming to the table and they're doing the work. We're seeing a lot of different books on how to have psychedelic experiences, how to safely use them. Um, they're more prepared when going into their journeys. Um, but it doesn't end there. We also you know, no, need to be working on uh, testing the drugs that we're consuming. And yeah, I'm speaking to my friends right now. I'm pretty <laughs> disappointed in you guys because I don't know anyone in my psychedelic community that are using reagent testing kits, especially the, some of the leaders in the space. When I ask them, you know, where did you buy your kit from? They're not using them. Come on. This is going to be some of the biggest ammunition against our movement if people are having these negative, you know, experiences with psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it goes back to um, a conversation that I had with Bill Richards when I was in New York City for Horizons. Um, for those of you that don't know, he is this profound psychologist, one of the experts on psychedelics. He was working with psychedelics before the shuttering occurred. And he was yeah, doing a lot of clinical studies. And a lot of people are going through trials working with psilocybin with him. And we know a lot about the story about some, you know, actions that other counterparts were doing, going a little bit against laws and whatnot, doing some risque work. Mm -hmm. And it really hurt his research. Once things shuttered that, you know, the study that he was working on, it stopped in its tracks there. And that just, it wasn't fair because he was doing things by the book, doing full FDA compliance, uh, working very closely with the government because he believed in this medicine so much. But because of the influx of people that saw this as the hot new thing and they were playing around, yeah, we saw what happened with yeah. the shuttering. And so I, I asked him when I was with him in New York, I said, what can I do as a young psychedelic scientist? What can I do to aid the movement in the biggest way? 
And it's something that I like to repeat to a lot of people. He told me, don't spook the horses. And I sat with that and how profound, you know, so when we're talking about not spooking the horses, not only are we talking about following the law, uh, you know, making sure we're um, being mindful to not create these negative events that it also it is about harm reduction as well, because if we're not doing our due diligence to make sure the drugs that we consume are what we you know, are expecting Expect. them to be and that they're safe, you know, we of course, life is sacred and we do not want lives to be lost to consuming molecules that we do not understand or that are not properly ID'd. But imagine what's, what that's going to do in the press. Yeah. And it's just going to be ammunition for our adversaries to show that these molecules are not safe. And so people in the psychedelic community, please, please, please buy a reagent kit, mm-hmm. test your molecules, read about what you're getting yourself into. Don't just be taking whatever substance that people hand you at a rave. Um, Cause if you really, yeah, don't do that. If you really believe in them. Yeah, never. <laughs> I've, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I've had my, you know, moments where I am not super cautious either, but we, you know, as leaders in the space, we need to be so mindful of this. And yeah. so I cannot be talking about harm reduction if I do not talk about dance safe. So I was going to say, who can you, who can you recommend? What resources? And and before you, and before you go into the resource, thank you for just answering the question that I wanted you to answer. Um, What molecules does a reagent test? Is it regent or reagent? Am I saying it wrong? Regent. Yeah, you got it. Um, What does it test of the molecules? is my first question. And then talk about dance safe. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So it depends on the kit that you're buying. There are some kits that are pretty inclusive of a lot of different molecules. And so pretty much all of the known classic psychedelics that you want to get into and some of research chemicals as well, you're able to have uh, all the reagents that you'll need to test to see you know, is this truly MDMA? Is this truly LSD? And so um, some more information for that. Like I just, I cannot give props to dance safe enough. Yeah. Go to their website, go to their Instagram and check out their reagent testing kits. Um, I'm not going to give it as, you know, I'm not going to be able to explain it as well as they are. They are such great resources um, and their kits are constantly evolving. So when you ask well, what molecules are they testing for, it's expanding as cool. psychedelic molecules are expanding because there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of research chemicals that are coming into the scene that people don't know about and the kits are becoming more expansive to be able to test for those things and then once you know your molecule then you can dive into proper dosages you know how to go about allergy testing um just different contraindications how compatible different molecules are together and that's where dance safe comes in they are 
a nonprofit organization. They show up to almost every EDM dance type rave situation and they will test your your drugs on site. I believe that they're working with FTIR to test your molecules, also pulling out some reagent test kits. And so you can safely, confidentially know what you're working with. But it's great because you can jump onto their website and they have a multitude of many different testing kits that you can purchase to use at home. And if you if you feel like it's, you know, a little pricey, which it's not, go in on a kit with your friend. You know, yeah. we are learning more and more that people are coming out of the psychonaut closet, find someone. And if you can't afford it, talk to Dance Safe as well, because they are very generous with helping people afford the kits because they are so aware that there's dangers that are involved with not knowing what you're working with and they see how important it is for the movement too. So I I give them such props for what they're working on. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much. I'll definitely put their information in the link to your episode. So those that are listening, there will be a link to dance safe. So you can go and check that out. What beautiful advice to not only keep yourself safe, to understand your own dosages, but also to protect the movement. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. Melissa, what a beautiful conversation this was to hear from your expert scientific self to the story of why you're so passionate about psychedelics. I cannot wait to visit your female psychedelic lab (laughs) and see it. I'll cover it. I'll come in and cover your, don't be like a reporter on your place and be like, yes, I I heard it here first guys. And here it is. We just spoke it into existence. Thank you so much. Where can people be in touch with you on, so, uh, on social online? Definitely. You can find me at Mel Dawn on Instagram. I'm sure Kat will drop it in the post Mm -hmm. and, um, or else you can just write me at connect at melissadawn.org and I will respond as well as I can. Amazing. Melissa, thank you so much again for being here. I truly appreciate your time. I appreciate you, Kat. Thank you. Thank you. As always, everyone, trip on this.